Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some very confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy following Jesus in 2022. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and how can we become more like Christ and share Him with the lost and hurting world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Christian Talk. I wasn't actually planning on recording an episode right this moment, but the frenzy that has been caused in the last few days over the issue of abortion really left me with little choice. The biblical passage for this episode is from Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 simply says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I can think of no biblical passage that so vividly, powerfully illustrates exactly what we are witnessing when it comes to the frenzy, the fear, the anger, the the, uh, uproar that has been produced like what we have seen in the last few days over the issue of abortion. You know, as I wrote on my social media, you know your society has fallen when there's such an uproar over even the possibility that the Supreme Court of the United States will clarify that, well, what do you know, the Constitution really doesn't have any line in it that guarantees the right to kill your children in the womb. Because ultimately, aside from all the euphemisms, all the memes, all the tweets, all the political rhetoric, that is what this issue ultimately comes down to. Even just in the last 24 hours, President Biden acknowledged in remarks he was giving to reporters that this issue does revolve around whether or not to terminate a child that's in the womb. I'm paraphrasing, but the word child was used in his statement. Because instinctively, we know that that is exactly what this ultimately comes down to. And it never ceases to amaze me, particularly on abortion, all of the ways in which we try to rationalize and justify murder. I've seen memes that actually try to say it doesn't matter when life begins. That that's aside from the point. That's aside from the argument. Well, I'm here to tell you, I think it all comes back to when does life begin? Is there human life in the womb? And if there is, well, then should it be protected? The Constitution does guarantee the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that right has been denied for the unborn across this nation since 1973, when the Supreme Court made its dreadful tragic and wrong from the start decision as the draft that was leaked purportedly uh, is worded. This frenzy all came about from a dramatic betrayal, really, an attack on the institution of the Supreme Court. Now, it's interesting because the reaction to this leak has sparked passion on both sides of this issue. 
those who are for pro-choice rights, abortion rights, and the pro-choice mantra, well, they've obviously been whipped into a frenzy at the thought that the Supreme Court literally is on the cusp of actually overturning Roe v. Wade. While those that are that are pro-life, they're also passionate at the thought that something that that for 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 generations has been worked on could actually be happening. And so the leak has has certainly uh, created passion on both sides. But just stepping up, stepping back for a moment and looking at this, what's what's sad to me is, you know, uh, this is unprecedented, and we've been using that word unprecedented over and over and over again in these last few years. I'm tired of using that word, to be honest with you. <laughs> but what can I say? It is a leak of this magnitude of a decision this momentous is certainly a betrayal and an outright attack on the trustworthiness of the institution of the Supreme Court. And I'm a believer in this country. I love this country. I love our democracy and I love the institutions uh, that 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 have been the bedrock of our democracy. And it's been clear that trust in all our nation's institutions here in Washington have been declining for years. And we've seen that across, across the political spectrum. We've now seen that really uh, with COVID even more exacerbated, with different institutions in our country no longer trusted. And, and the Supreme Court has weathered a lot of that storm up to now, but this certainly has done serious damage to the court. But the Supreme Court is poised, and just Chief Justice Roberts acknowledged that the leak is genuine, that the document is genuine. Now, for those of you who don't know how it works with the Supreme Court, you know, draft opinions are circulated among the judges, the justices, and an actual final vote and final decision is not issued until usually June. And Chief Justice Roberts made it, made it clear that, that the final decision has not yet been made. And so ultimately, nothing has legally been decided yet when it comes to the issue of Roe v. Wade. But even I myself, who um, have been outspokenly pro-life for a few years now, you know, I myself am personally stunned and surprised that that this moment could actually be upon us. And, and, it, and that part of it fills me with wonder, it fills me with awe that the work of so many dedicated people that I know of personally who are on the front lines of being the voices for the voiceless, the few pastors and churches that have been active in engaging on this issue and not been silent about it, and those who have been praying, praying outside Planned Parenthood clinics, those who have been praying in ser- services and gatherings across the country, you know, God is moving and we are in the midst of a time like no other in so many areas. When it, whether it's COVID, whether it's our politics, whether it's what's going on in the world, the church, the shifts we're seeing, God is shaking things up. And we have been in a period for the last few years where you can really see that coming to the forefront. I truly believe that. We are living in exciting, breathtaking times. God is shaking things up. God is moving things. God is shifting things. And, and so just the thought that Roe v. Wade could actually be overturned is, is on the one hand breathtaking. It's breathtaking for me. On the other hand, it's sad for me in seeing the anger, the fear uh, uh, among those who are so dedicated to, to abortion rights. And it's easy to demonize those that are defending abortion 
But let's remember, we're all human beings here. And for some people, they're very passionately pro-choice. They have personal reasons for that. And I believe it's important that we who believe in the cause of life, we who know and follow Jesus Christ, be careful, again, not to see this in terms as purely a, a political or, or cultural even or ideological <clears throat> clash between sides. But ultimately, this is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle for hearts, minds, and lives. And no matter what the Supreme Court rules, ultimately, this, this battle still will be won only by a real genuine move of God in the hearts and minds of, of our nation and of all those who are either defending abortion, who have had an abortion, who are broken from, from some uh, sexual assault or, or who've been personally impacted by the tragic consequences of going forward with an abortion. It's important that we who are pro-life remain compassionate, including for those who are ideologically opposed to what we stand for here. Let's also not forget that even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, what that would mean is not that abortion becomes illegal, but rather that abortion would be sent back to the states and so individual states would make decisions <coughs> as to whether or not, excuse me, as to whether or not abortion would be permitted. Abortion would still continue in this country. We are still a long ways from that ever ending. And so therefore, the work ahead for the pro-life movement will get even busier if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Because the truth is, the pro-life clinics and the pro-life uh, movement is not just about Stopping the killing of abortion, certainly it is, but it's also about supporting the mothers and fathers who have unplanned pregnancies or who have had, uh, you know, difficult circumstances surrounding those pregnancies. This work encompasses all those things. And so if anything, we cannot look at the potential overthrow of Roe v. Wade as the moment to simply declare victory. This issue has now been dealt with. It's over and it's done. As long as this institution that is truly the greatest moral evil of our time, as long as that is allowed to continue to exist in this nation, where one life is snuffed out, we are not done our work. And so we must continue to move forward. We must continue to move forward. But I have to say, it has been absolutely uh, breathtaking on the one hand with awe and wonder at the thought that Roe v. Wade could actually be on the brink of being overturned but it's also been breathtaking in another way and and that is it has been absolutely incredible to watch the amount of anger and fear uh, to defend abortion that 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 I've personally seen and it's absolutely uh, incredible to, to watch and to wonder. And it really tells us a lot about the state of our society. You see, I titled this episode Overturning the Altar of Roe v. Wade because I, I saw a, a quote on Twitter, a tweet that said this, Abortion is human sacrifice at the altar of self. Abortion is human sacrifice at the altar of self. And I think that's so very true because intrinsically why 
uh, those who defend abortion rights are, are, are often so passionate about this cause. Most abortions in this country are not done because of uh, cases, rare cases of serious health complications to a pregnancy or even to a sexual assault. By far, most abortions in this country are not done because of any of those reasons. They're done because uh, a pregnancy is not wanted to be able to continue. And uh, one, it's been fascinating to watch how the same um, the same mob that that tells us that biology doesn't matter when it comes to uh, your gender suddenly flips sides when it comes to the issue of abortion and suddenly biology matters again. And I've seen that as a man, I'm not, I'm not qualified to even speak on this issue. But I believe that part of why abortion exists at all is because men are too often absent from being on the front lines of speaking out for children and being there to help take care of a mother and, and raise a child. And so I, for one, believe it's incumbent upon men to rally around women, to rally around mothers, and yes, to speak out for the children that are being sacrificed. You know, the truth is, here in 2022 America, we are not civilized. We may think we're civilized because we have cars and automobiles, because we have you know computers in our pockets, because we can we live in a country with 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 uh, all the the various conveniences that we're blessed with. But the truth is, any nation that can allow something like abortion and they can have it defended and justified by so many is not a civilized nation. It's a barbaric nation. We are no different, no different, really, than those who sacrificed their children at the altar of Molech thousands of years ago in biblical times. We are no different. But the difference now is Roe v. Wade has been an altar for the political and ideological left side that defends abortion for quite some time. That is simply uh, a matter of fact. And even in the Supreme Court, whenever a new justice is being interviewed to be on the court, it's almost like a dogmatic question. A litmus test is, what do you think about Roe v. Wade? What would you be willing to do with Roe v. Wade? Would you uphold it or will you try and overthrow it? It's been like the ultimate litmus test. Abortion ultimately exists because of the uh, worship of self that continues to be at the very core of our culture and of our society. And we are on par with the Romans of old, for we are no different than those whom Paul talked about when he wrote in Romans chapter 1, uh, that, that many will will exchange the truth of God for a lie, that they'll worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. And we continue to do that. We've continued to see that. And abortion is a denial, ultimately, of the sacred nature of human life. Because the truth is, again, no matter how, and this is the other thing, the reason this passage from Isaiah 5 really stuck out to me in framing this episode is because I've seen a lot of people uh, that that sincerely and passionately defend the pro-choice mantra with trying to use moral arguments, with trying to say that, you know, it's more moral to allow for abortion to exist than to not allow for it. And, uh, and, and, and the reality is, again, we still try to beat around the bush of the fact that what we're talking about is killing a, is killing a child. 
We're talking about murdering a child in the womb. That's that's what we're talking about. And uh, we can try and get around that, ignore that. But we're t- if, if human life exists in the womb and abortion is terminating that human life, that is murder. Pure and simple. It's, it is black and white. It is simple. It's murder. And I'm not saying that there's not complexities that, that come around it for people's circumstances and situations. And I'm not trying to deny that. But at the core of what this really does boil down to, it's is human life valuable and should it be protected and defended? And if you are a Christian, you certainly should agree with that. The Bible says, I, God says in Jeremiah 1, I knew you before you were born. Psalm 139 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in our mother's womb. The God of the Bible goes into detail about how the intricacy of our development in the womb, God's hands on all of that. Human beings are created in the image of God. And that ultimately is what makes us sacred and what makes human life valuable. And anytime you deny the intrinsic worth of human life, that is how you are able to carry out horrible atrocities and genocides, whether it be the Holocaust, whether it be slavery that existed in this country for so long, or any of the other horrible things that are being done right now. The world had a huge a huge uh, 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 pause and stop when it looked like there were there's potential genocide in Ukraine, and rightly so, because we get that in wars you don't target civilians like that. That that's that's against international norms, and yet abortion remains the biggest child killer in this country every year around the world. Abortion continues to be a leading cause of death for children. And so you have to deny the humanity in order to justify the atrocity. And so that's why we're very careful with how those that defend abortion word it and what arguments they use and the euphemisms that come. My body, my choice. And it's abortion's health care. If abortion is health care, slavery was job creation. And that's not my own quote. I, got a, I saw it somewhere and it's a good one. But that's the truth. So, of course, from a biblical perspective, Christians have no uh, way to be on the sidelines on this. And yet, it never ceases to amaze me how some of my more um, you know, liberal-minded Christian uh, friends that are very vocal about other issues that I do agree with them are injustices that they should be vocal about, they're silent on this. And their silence is deafening. Why are you silent on this? That is something that I still do not understand. And even those who are not Christians at all, how they can be so passionate about human rights and about injustices on other issues, other causes, but yet the greatest injustice in human history, 63 million lives terminated since 1973 in the U.S. alone through abortion. Where is the outcry there? Where is the outcry there? And you don't need to get biblical even to acknowledge that there's human life there. That's why we have, we, with, with the technology we have, with, with the imaging that we have today of what we can see in the womb, we know. We know much more now about how much genetically is already there in the very beginning, early stages of conception and, and development. 
We can't get away from that. It's there and we know it's there. We know it's a baby. All that being said, why then is this institution so fiercely defended? Why is it so fiercely justified? Ultimately, the Bible tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And ultimately, this is a spiritual fight. And it will take the work ultimately of the Holy Spirit of God to move on hearts and minds to help illustrate and show biblical truth to those who are convinced otherwise to defend the institution of abortion. I am all for seeing abortion become illegal. But I pray it will become unthinkable. Ultimately, that it will be unthinkable. But in the meantime, as the pro-life cause awaits and those that defend abortion awaits what the ruling of the Supreme Court will be, it is imperative now more than ever that Christians around the country and around the world pray. Pray. Pray for God's hand to move on the hearts and minds of the justices of the court. Pray. Pray for those who are defending abortion. Pray for those who are contemplating abortion. Pray for those who have had an abortion. Pray that we, the church, would rise and shine in this hour to be as we are called to, compassionate as well as with conviction, defending the unborn and loving those who oppose what we believe unconditionally. It's imperative that Christians remember that at this time. And if the Supreme Court really does overturn Roe v. Wade, far from taking a victory lap, it will be a huge step righting a judicial wrong that is on par with the 1857 Dred Scott decision that had ruled that black people cannot become true U.S. citizens, that denied their humanity. Roe v. Wade belongs in the same trash bin as the Dred Scott decision of 1857. But even if that happens this June or any time later, that does not mean that the work for the pro-life cause ends. If anything, it means it enters a new phase. A new phase that will mean that it is imperative for the church to be the body of Christ, to continue to, to provide the resources that people need so that children can be born and cherished and cared for and protected. And ultimately, we must continue to live out our faith, continue to love unconditionally, and continue to speak out on behalf of the voiceless. Because over 63 million of them have already lost their lives. Millions of people that could have grown to become politicians, leaders in our world, in the church, scientists. Who knows, someone could have developed the cure of cancer by now. Who knows, but God does. And He does know, and He knows each and every one of them. He knows them by name. And God will right this wrong, one way or another. But may we, the body of Christ, be on the right side of history here. 
And may, as Lilia Rose said, may our generation be the one that said enough and stopped the daily bloodbath of 2,363 children killed every day by abortion. That's my heart and prayer. So I encourage you at the close of this episode, as I do each one, from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, may you stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.